We are recording. You hit record and then none of us talk. Yeah. Yay, podcast. Set your phases to sexy. Welcome to another episode of True North Nerd. Yay! This week, we're going to do some news. Uh, I have a little bit of a surprise news thing for the other people who are Ooh. on this podcast. And we're also going to talk to uh, Kevin, who... I might as well do this now. Kevin's back. Hi, Kevin. Hello, hey, Kevin. I'm back. Uh, we're going to talk to Kevin about his experiences in Las Vegas with the Star Trek convention. What's it like going to a celebrity-filled convention when none of them are supposed to talk about what they're actually there for? Yes. Stay tuned to find out. And we are going to do a big, uh, probably spoiler-filled review of Blue Beetle, the new offering from Warner Brothers and DC... Films, DC Studios, whatever they're called right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, yeah there's no probably like about about spoilers. It'll be full of spoilers. Yes. yes. <clears throat> uh, did we like it? Did we not? You'll have to tune in to find out. So basically, since you've downloaded this episode, anyways, you might as well just listen to the whole thing. Why not? You're here now. And then go like and sub- uh, review and subscribe. Isn't that what the kids say nowadays? Okay, so we have Ryan. That's me. Hi, Jen. Hi. And we already talked to Kevin, so you know Kevin's here. I'm here. I'm here. Kevin's here. I'm really here. I don't believe. And uh, we have me. Hi, Hi, Brent. Brent. Ryan. Yes. I know. uh, Post San Diego, it's a little bit of a light news week. But what's in the news? Well, post San Diego, and we're still in the strikes, so there's not a lot of stuff being uh, announced or talked about. But we did get this our first teaser trailer for Disney Plus's Percy Jackson series. Ooh, um, I enjoyed the two movies. I don't know about anybody else. I enjoyed I, the books. Oh, there you go. So now we're getting a whole Disney Plus series. We've talked about it before. Uh, we see a few little things and some people, and uh, I totally forgot. I'm sure we brought it up here before, but, uh, well, not he's not a friend of the show. He hasn't been on this show, but uh, Brent's friend, will say, air quotes, uh, Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, WWE Hall of Famer. Um, we get our first look at him as Aries. Oh, nice. We're not friends. We're <laughs> sort of pen pals. <laughs> the funny thing about it is he just emailed me back like two seconds ago. <laughs> so, so he's a good pen normally pal. Normally I wouldn't bring it up, but like, just your timing, because I didn't know you were going to bring him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there is that. But uh, That's funny. Yes. 
I didn't realize you had emailed them since like months and months and months ago. So uh, I drop a line to them every once in a while, you know, partially because like uh, keeping that sort of like professional semi door open there. Yeah. Long story for our listeners who may not be aware. And the other two is like, we just shoot little messages back and forth every once in a while. And he oh, had his uh, last match contracted to the WWE on, uh, on Friday, Friday. Yeah. Yep. And so I just, uh, I sent a little note um, because there's a, like the, I'm not going to reveal the, the contents of the email, but uh, one or most of it. But one of the things was, is uh, they put a video package together of his career and it was really cool because it starts off with him on as like an audience member on Deanie Petty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bret talking Hart to Bret Hart. Talking. Yeah, when he's asking he's asking him some training questions. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, yes, Percy Jackson. Uh, I don't know if I ever saw the movies. To be honest, the movies really? were good too, but the books are excellent. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed the movies. They were good. They were fun. I've never read the books, but uh, yeah. Reading's hard, so. <laughs> uh, okay, so we saw that. We got that one. Um, we got a trailer for the Netflix adaptation of Scott Pilgrim. Did mm. anybody else watch that? Yes, oh, yeah. I did. I didn't see that. I missed that somehow. Oh. How is this different from the movie, other than it's animated? It's a continuation. Good. No, oh. it's not. Oh, I oh. thought it was. I so thought did this was... I. I thought but they had watch, actually announced that. Oh, I thought okay. they had at one point too, but when you watch the trailer, it's like, wow, this very much looks like the story. The movie, yeah, yeah. And, well, slash graphic novels, like it yeah. looks like it's just a retelling. So, from what I have read and seen quotes about, is that it's not going to be a direct retelling of the movies, or sorry, the movie, or necessarily the graphic novel. Like it's just a new adaptation. Um, so I'm sure that we'll... would explain the trailer because there's a lot in the trailer that is like scenes out of the comic book and out of yes. the movie. Yeah, that's that was my thoughts as soon as I saw it too. So I was like, oh, and then I saw that and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm guessing they're going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if at least if this season is the 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 story the original. Or at least half of it is, but then something new, or if it, they do it and it does well, then they'll continue on in that universe. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but we get a sex bomb song in it, so there mm-hmm. you go. There's always that. I assume that it, it is in the style of the comic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, the animation, they're drawn that very similarly, if not, I wouldn't say they're exactly the same, but right. it is that style, that look. So, yeah, should be good. Uh, and then the other big thing, the other thing I saw this week was there was uh, an official name given to the upcoming Godzilla series that's going to be on Apple TV+. And this series is going to be called Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Ooh. Now... One thing that I found out, so we remember we talked about this before, that Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt are both in this series. Um, what we didn't know before is they are playing the same character. Oh. They're playing Army Officer Lee Shaw. So from the sounds of the synopsis that came out, uh, 
you know, the Coles notes of this is, I guess it pretty much takes place after the first Godzilla, the first new MonsterVerse Godzilla movie, so after the, the attack at San Francisco. Um, and the main characters come out of that. We'll see them delving into, like, this now that their family connection to this world of monsters. And I guess we see Kurt Russell and Wyatt playing this character both as a young man in the past and his connection to everything, and then as an older man either in the current or, you know, post that first movie, at least, right? So, mm-hmm. uh should be interesting. So, there's a bit of, going to be some time skipping going on, some flashbacks, I guess, or some, you know, tie-ins, but, uh, yeah, hey, they showed a couple pictures. We got to see a picture of, of, of each one of the wrestles, um, another young lady uh, behind the school bus, which I think is what might turn out to be that school bus we see on the bridge in that movie, Um and, you know, obviously a big picture of Godzilla screaming. So, I like that. So, um, Otherwise, that's all I got for news, kids. Hmm. Anybody else got anything? So, I, I have a little thing. Ooh. Um, as, as I have kind of mentioned before in my previous podcast, I had a very good relationship with Anchor Bay, which is a film company that did a lot of horror movies and a lot mm-hmm. of like sort of straight to video stuff. And because of my connections there, I've been getting like some like preview stuff for a movie. Uh, it's out of, I think it's out of Japan. And it's the, I believe the, the trailer from what I can get translated of the title, it's like an action horror movie where like, there's a lot of kicking and punching, but like people's heads explode and stuff. (laughs) And and I think the movie that if Google translate is right, is it it comes out as daddy's revenge, which is a weird title, but at the same time, they, uh, the production company there actually sent us a clip, which doesn't, completely work because we're an audio podcast so i guess they don't really know what we do but uh, <laughs> i did manage to pick out one little bit like it was like this really like sort of cool one-liner stuff i should also mention that like uh some of the dialogue is in english so uh yeah here is a canadian premiere question mark of a sound <laughs> clip of a japanese action horror movie called daddy's revenge Interesting. We got a big problem here. Intel tells us we're dealing with one guy. We think we got a fucking fire team out there. My guy in DC tells me that we are not dealing with a student here. We're dealing with a professor. Anytime the military has an operation that can't fail, they call this guy in to train the troops, okay? He's the kind of guy that would drink a gallon of gasoline so he could piss in your campfire. You could drop this guy off at the Arctic Circle wearing a pair of bikini underwear without his toothbrush, and tomorrow afternoon he's going to show up at your poolside with a million-dollar smile and a fistful of pesos. This guy's a professional, you got me? If he reaches this rig, we're all going to be nothing but a big goddamn hole right in the middle of Alaska. So let's go find him and kill him and get rid of this son of a bitch.
Yeah, okay, so uh, one of the, <laughs> the good things that comes from being a patron and a good friend of ours <laughs> is you can sometimes use us to rickroll your son when he's getting more <laughs> suspicious about stuff. So uh, congratulations, Mark. <laughs> your dad went through a couple hoops to get this one done. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so for for those of you who are, are wondering what happened, uh, uh, Rex asked us uh, for a little bit of help rickrolling his son, and we, uh, since uh, Mark was kind enough to have us uh, at his wedding, uh, we felt that payback was apparently necessary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. Uh, oh, that movie doesn't really exist, by the way. That's <laughs> now, now, I'll be honest. I thought you were going to bring up something about the Toxic Avenger because I did see something about oh, that. But yeah, actually, I should bring that up as a little news thing. Um, uh, so Peter Dinklage is in a remake of the Toxic Avenger, and I, I believe. Like he's producing it or something too, um, and but like this movie's been done for a while, and it's finally that like starting to get like it's starting to hit the the nerd film festival circuit. So we just got our first look at like an image of Peter Dinklage as the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, just the silhouette of it. No trailer yet. But no, yeah, like um, who else? Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood are in the cast as well. Oh wow! Yeah, so nice. it's a, although Dinklage is saying it's not a remake, which I don't know what else this would be if it's not a remake. Could be a, a sequel, a new a new adventure of the Toxic Avengers, like yeah, well, yeah, but it's not made by Trauma. So is this a parallel universe sort of? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, well, Troma's helping. Oh, that might be just because of the license, though. Troma is listed as one of the production companies on it, but this has like, this has a budget. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever watched the Troma film, and Lord knows I love them, uh, <sighs> this has much more money involved. But mm. yeah, like it, it wrapped filming in 2021. So it's, uh, yeah. Alrighty. Um, so let's go to Kevin. Uh, Kevin mm. was in Las Vegas. I was in, fabulous, in, Las Vegas, Nevada. Just, how many Elvi did you see? Not see any Elvi. Oh, then you weren't some, really in Vegas then, were you? I did see <laughs> some uh, sketchy-looking superheroes on the strip, though. Oh, Wait, isn't Kevin breaking the rule of Vegas? What you happens what? in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. There is that. I don't think that's an enforceable law. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Uh, I had a lovely, wonderful time. I did have a great time in Las Vegas. It was a, a fun a fun place to be. Okay, so you went to a Star Trek convention. Yes. Which you have attended before, correct? Yes. So I attended this convention, which is affectionately called STLV. Um, when I went in 2019, it was an official Star Trek convention. So, um, STLV actually stood for Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, it is no longer an official Star Trek convention, which means STLV stands for 
nothing, nothing at all. It's just four letters that they use. Um, <laughs> the convention was official. Star Trek 55? Uh, and, uh, we, you can't yeah, use, we the use the word Star Trek. Officially. <laughs> oh. uh, officially, the convention was called the 57-year mission because something, something happened 57 years ago uh, that uh, we want to celebrate. So um, now, even if the convention is unofficial, Normally, you're allowed to talk about the subject of the convention. Um, now, this is an interesting year because we are in the middle of the writers and actors strike. And because of that, um, special dispensation was given to the actors to still be able to come to this convention. But with the proviso that they do not promote any work that is currently making any company money. And that includes any iteration of the show that we were all there to celebrate. So we would talk around it by calling it that show you were on set in space or, you know, <laughs> the space show. Um, most people were very good about it and when asking questions. And uh, sometimes they were so good that they tried, they tried to get around it, but the, um, the actors still couldn't answer the question because uh, because of the nature of it. So they weren't allowed to talk directly about the show, with one exception, two exceptions, actually. Animation is not covered by the terms of the contract that they're striking against. So um, the producers of Star Trek Prodigy were there, and some of the cast of Star Trek Lower Decks were there, and so they were allowed to talk about their shows. Um, Tawny Newsom, however, was not allowed to talk about the appearance she made in live action form on mm. another show set in space. Uh, oh, God. That's got to be, but, like, I get it, and she probably gets it, but that's got to be, like, a bit of an annoying, like, thing to wrap her head around and, like, keep yeah. track of in this situation. Yeah, so uh, she was great, though. In fact, 95 99% of the of the actors and people who were there were fantastic and really um really knew how to talk around it and most of the questions people were asking this year were actually really interesting questions about the actors likes and dislikes what they're reading what their backgrounds are um you know, um, what board games they like to play so it was really quite interesting to get to learn more about these people as people. Uh, there was one exception, and I did not attend his panel, and I kind of wish I had, because he just didn't care. And that was um, Star Trek Voyager's own Commander Chakotay, Robert Beltran. He, uh, he said, I am not living in a communist dictatorship. I live in a free country where I can talk about whatever I like, which is true, but you still are a working actor who works under SAG-AFTRA contracts. And uh, he can be fined by his union for doing what he did. And he probably was. But I pr he probably does who else was there. Well, Michelle Hurd is one of the chief negotiators. And yeah. she was the person who, um, <laughs> who really got the, the, the dispensation for the convention uh, in writing so that these people were allowed to come. So they were allowed to sign autographs and they were allowed, but they couldn't provide any pictures of themselves in costume. If you brought something of your own from home or something that you had bought at a third party vendor, they would sign it. 
but they weren't allowed to sell anything uh, of with themselves in their costumes. And that's what we had heard happened at like shows like Montreal and, and mm. other recent cons. So that's good. I'm sure it's uh, going to happen at so... Fan Expo next weekend too. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah, but I guess that that's where they get a lot of their revenue from. Like, I mean, besides the fee that they charge to be there, but mm. selling photos and stuff of themselves as their characters is, I would imagine more people would want to buy that than just a photo of the actor. So, I mean, is that uh, going to well, be a major loss of revenue for, for them? People, if you had seen the lines for people, like, oh, for photo ops, like, they made a I lot of I was going to say, the photo ops okay. really have to be the, one of their big cash cows, too, yeah. right? Okay. So, it's all, I think it all came out in the wash. I think it's all good. And And in that case, are they allowed to, like, pose with people wearing Starfleet uniforms? Mm-hmm. That, that's got to be all right, I would think. Yes, because... It's a personal photo? The, yeah, it's personal theory. Photo. Yeah. yeah. And the studios aren't making any money off that photo. They are. Exactly. The money's going... To the, in this case... So, like, at conventions like um, San Diego, in that case, actors are paid by studios to attend. That's why there were no actors at the San Diego convention. Whereas in a yeah. convention like STLV or Fan Expo, the conventions are paying the actors to attend, and the actors are making money from merchandise and photo and autograph sales. So it's a, it's a different a different set of circumstances. So. Oh, okay. So with that in mind, I don't think I remember seeing any footage of like a big Hollywood premiere for Blue Beetle in the last week or so. With like celebrities, which they wouldn't go to because that right. would be promote. So that's why I'm like, I saw it. It's like, oh, I don't remember hearing anything about that. About I don't know premiere, what they did so. for a for a premiere. I know for Haunted Mansion, um, they had Disneyland, the part of Disneyland that Haunted Mansion is in. They had that shut down because they were supposed to have a big celebrity um, premiere at Disneyland. Instead, um, cast members and guests attended the premiere of, of Haunted Mansion. So, um, yeah. But, um, there, was, there was a little bit of news come out of the convention, specifically when it comes to Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, the Hageman brothers, who are the executive producers behind the show, were there, and they were very wide open about what is going on with their show. Um, the, um, the show is still being made and funded by Paramount. It's not like the Warner Brothers situation where they shut down the Batgirl movie and it's never being released. It's not that at all. The show is going to be finished and the studio is shopping it around to other distributors. Uh, The Hageman said that they are 99% sure that it will be sold to another distributor by the end of the year. So we should know soon where season two of a Star Trek Prodigy is. The um, the Save Prodigy fan campaign has gotten a ton of a ton of uh, people um, responding to it. It's as big, if not bigger, than the Star Trek Legacy fan com- campaign to get a show based on uh, the the last season of Star Trek Picard off the ground. So um, that uh, they're very happy with the fan response. And uh, they are pretty sure that that show's going to have a new home. My gut says it's probably going to end up on Amazon. Um, the um, 
the digital and Blu-ray release for the second half of season one of Prodigy set records. Uh, people are um, people are gobbling it up. People are trying to show their support for this show by buying the merch. So it's, Which, it's getting there. I still find it funny that with all the Star Trek stuff that they've been doing, why they wouldn't carry their own cartoon. Like they're still, like you said, they're still making it yeah. and they're shopping. Why not have it on your own Paramount Plus? This is the question none of us can understand the answer to. Yeah. Um, it, it is some sort of, somewhere some accountant has figured out some sort of money thing where this makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Either Which, that or the Feel free uh, to, executives. if you are listening, accountant, come on the show and explain it to us. Mm-hmm. Feel free. I will, uh, I will okay. do a special episode just for that. I was going to say, it's either that or the executives who are in charge of the streaming uh, are like the who was it like years ago who thought that the internet was made out of pipes and they think that streaming only has a certain amount of space <laughs> and they don't want to fill that space with a show that's not doing well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I think. Hard, <laughs> the hard thing has are... something to do with the Nickelodeon aspect because remember the show was actually branded as a Nickelodeon show and I oh, don't think it? it did as well on Nickelodeon as they were expecting it to. Oh. So I think there's something in there with that. So we don't want to fill up the streaming. Well, to go with Jen's, you know, hard drives cost a lot of money. And to keep that (laughs) extra data on your hard drive for people to stream through your own service, you know, clogs up the pipes. No, I'm not quite sure. clog up the internet pipes. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. (laughs) So yeah, well, that's a great time at the convention uh, known as STLV, uh, and it was I, I saw my my Star Trek pals. I crashed a couple of parties. Uh, it was good, and I also took time to go and see a Cirque du Soleil show on the Strip. So I saw oh, the fun. Beatles love, and it was very fun. Did you see the big eyeball? Okay, I did see what is called the sphere. Uh, I never called. saw it in eyeball mode. I saw uh, it in I saw it in like moon mode. I heard I the moon mode in, is really cool. Yeah, I saw it in like um, sun mode. Um, I also saw it in we are promoting the Formula One race that's happening this weekend mode. Um, <laughs> I'm curious what it's going to look like when it hits U2 mode because U2 is doing a Vegas residency there. I know. I have a friend who's short. actually got tickets for December. Oh. To Lucky. see you two there, yeah. I hope that they don't miss a perfect opportunity next May the fourth, and yeah. make it the and, and they need to make it look like a Death Star. Yeah. Well, that's a Disney thing, right? Uh, yeah, I don't who, know if Disney cares. Will give it's them the right Star Wars that. Day. I don't think they need. You know, it's just putting a picture on the screen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It is a pretty impressive structure. It is a pretty impressive structure. So. All righty. So, thank you for that uh, report from the trenches there. Mm-hmm. Now, before we move on to the movie, though, Kevin saw something else when he was out on his West Coast swing. I mm-hmm. did. I saw Rogers the Musical. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that. Yes. <laughs> I How was it? So- I loved it so much, I saw it twice. Oh, um, cool. 
Yeah. Uh, Rogers the Musical is playing until the end of this month at Disney California Adventure at the Hyperion Theater, which is a 2,000-seat Broadway-style theater. Um, the show is a 45-minute um, uh, theme park show. Uh, it's done with a cast of about 12 actors. Um, uh, one, the, the show basically covers it covers the life of Steve Rogers and it um, it opens with a small scrawny guy who gets co-opted by um, by scientists they do that magic trick where one person goes into a box and another person comes out and big buck Captain America comes out um, so uh, yeah pretty uh, pretty awesome um, you'll that that song save the city will get stuck in your head uh the other the other song that you would know from it is um uh the song from Captain America the First Avenger when he goes on the USO tour that's in the show oh, as well yeah. plus a, plus a several other songs that were written uh for the show so um yeah uh, really fun the cast looks like they're having a ball um the low budget avengers are hilarious um <laughs> uh, and it ends with yeah, it ends with the the whole. If you've seen if you've seen Endgame, I'm not spoiling anything. It ends with the whole time travel thing, where Old Cap, who's played by the young scrawny guy who we saw as Steve Rogers at the beginning, uh, comes to um, Captain America and says, "You can you can have it all and go back and live your life with the woman you love." Uh, and they sing a, a duet, um, Old Cap and um, Captain America. <laughs> That's uh, it might actually be a trio with Peggy Carter. Uh, but anyway, it's very fun. Uh, and uh, it was easy to get into. Um, they have um, they have on their app, they have a, uh, you can, you, uh, at two times during the day, they open up bookings for, um, for a um, um, advanced, seating arrangement uh and you just click in that you want to go to the 12 o'clock seating and you show up and there'll be seats available for you so it was great we i had no issues um no issues um uh, getting into the show at all and it was just so much fun and disneyland is a hoot i love disneyland it's probably my favorite theme park resort uh of the disney of, of the disney ilk so yeah disneyland was great I'm sorry, Ryan. I you asked me to pick up a crystal for you from Galaxy's Edge. I didn't spend that much time in Galaxy's Edge. It just wasn't high on my agenda, That's and okay, I, I didn't get there. I I, I apologize. I it did ride Rise, a, of the, Rise of the Resistance once. But. Well, yeah, it was a it was a last minute. I just thought of it when you were when I when you were posting your pictures. I was like, oh hey, you're there. See how much those are. Grab me one. I was yeah, I, I, I uh, never even saw them. Yeah, we uh, we went in, stood in line for an hour to ride Rise of the Resistance, and left left Galaxy's Edge. So it was it was it was still a great ride. I do. Uh, you guys need to get to a Disney park where Rise of the Resistance is. Oh, I want to go to the California one so bad because I'm not going to Florida. Mm. Um, I'm boy like many people boycotting Florida. I hear, but you. I would love to go to California. Uh, the new the ride that was new to me at Disneyland uh, this time was Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which is the new featured attraction in Toontown in California. Uh, it's already open at Hollywood Studios in Florida. 
I have never been on a ride where comedy is the purpose, right? I've been on rides that have jokes in them, but you are literally put into one of those new style Mickey Mouse cartoons. And oh, cool. there are scenes in the ride that make me laugh out loud because it's unexpected and hilarious. Um, at one point, so you're on a train, and of course, isn't it, it's a cartoon world. So when the train crashes, all of the train cars separate and go off in all different directions. And at one point, <laughs> you end up in Daisy Duck's dance studio, and all of the train cars end up doing this ballet move and then um, <laughs> a cha-cha. It's hilarious. It made me laugh so much. I loved it. So if you get a chance and you're in an area where there is that ride, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is a new favorite of mine. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you'd like to know about Disneyland and its environs? Um, what characters did you see on the Avengers campus this time? I what? Um, I didn't go and do um, many meet and greets with characters, but I did finally get to see Spider-Man flying across the sky. Ooh. I got to see that. That was cool. And and then he and then he walks down the wall face first, which was pretty cool. So I did see him. Um, they're still doing the stunt show with Black Widow and Black Panther fighting, I think it's Taskmaster, on the roof of the Avengers building. I saw some Guardians of the Galaxy wandering about. Um, Iron Man, There's a, they have a great-looking Iron Man suit out there. Uh, Captain America was uh, wandering around Avengers Campus. Um, yeah, um, Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, is still one of my favorite rides there too. It's it's so much fun. The um, Mission Breakout, which is a drop ride. It used to be the Tower of Terror, and now it's the Guardians of the Galaxy drop ride, and it's so much fun. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, Disneyland, awesome. Alrighty, uh, mm-hmm. I guess uh, we'll uh, go into the uh, the review of Blue Beetle. And uh, and continuing with our box office discussion from last episode, I might have some things to add at the end of it in those regards. But uh, Blue Beetle came out the weekend before we recorded this. Uh, it was uh, the latest offering from some part of the DC film universe? Question uh, mark? Yeah. And we'll get to that. And and before anybody gets on us, like gets on me about it, is like um, that didn't affect my viewing of this. It just it's it, it it makes certain parts in the aftermath a little weird. And we'll get to that. But overall, uh, let's start with Jen. Jen, what did you think of it? Because you you don't have a lot of experience with this character other than like Young Justice, right? Yeah, that's the only place I've ever seen Blue Beetle is in the cartoon. And he was very much a background character, so you didn't really get a lot about him. Um, I really, really liked this movie. I thought that um, it it hit all of the all of the right beats like it was I wasn't bored at all at any time in that movie. In -hmm. fact, I got really into it. There was a couple of parts that made me cry. Um, not gonna lie. Uh, I thought it was, there was good, some funny parts. There was a lot of good tension. Um, I mean, I'm sure that if I was really thinking about it, I could have predicted a lot of the beats, but I wasn't cause I was just involved in enjoying it. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. I really hope that there's, um, a sequel or at least that blue beetle shows up in another DCU movie. Mm. Um, 
and I know Ryan's going to make fun of me, but I think this is probably my favorite live action DCU movie that they've put out so far. Ryan was joking that I say that at the end of almost all of them, but I haven't for a while. <laughs> you all know my strong opinions about the DC universe. This one was very good. Alrighty, uh, let's move over to, uh, let's go with Kevin, because I think mm -hmm. you're sort of experienced with this character more than Jen, but yes. not as much as Ryan, so. Well, I um, I was reading DC Comics when the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle was debuted back during, that was during the Infinite Crisis days, so I am fairly um, familiar with him. Um they aged him up a little bit, which I think is fine. In the comics, he's a, like a high school student and a member of the Teen Titans. In the movie, he's 22 and just finished university, which is which is cool. I, but I do love that they kept his family as a very important part of his mm -hmm. of his um, story. I loved the family. Um, oh, the family was amazing, uh, especially Nana. Yeah, she was great, and his uncle. Uh, who is Uncle played Rudy. by George Lopez, Uncle yeah. Rudy, played by George Lopez. I thought he was fantastic. You don't see characters like, like that in superhero movies very often, and I loved it. I loved the callbacks to the Ted Cord version of um, of Blue Beetle, and we even got some flashbacks, not flashbacks, but acknowledgement of the Golden Age Blue Beetle, too, so there's a mm -hmm. bit of a lineage in this film, which I liked. And I, I love think the Blue Beetle car. The, oh, the bug. Yeah, the, the bug. bug. That's what they, yeah, the, the fact that that shows up is amazing to me. And uh, I think Susan Sarandon makes a great villain. Yes. I thought she was I, wonderful. Yeah. I, I mentioned that to Brent when we were driving home that Susan Sarandon does um, nice evil really well. Yes, yes she does. Like she, yeah. she's really good at doing that switch where she's trying to put on like the public face, but then she does the evil switch. She's really good at that. Yes, I thought so too. I thought she was lovely in this part, uh -huh. and um, I, um, yeah, I, I, I hope, I, like, like Jen said, I do hope we get to see more. I like that this movie had a point of view. I like that it is about a uh, a, a Latino family, and that they are allowed to be themselves. I liked that there were a lot of subtitles because yes the family spoke spanish at home not everybody in the family could speak english and mm -hmm. they spoke a lot of spanish at home and i had no problems with that i thought that was it just made the characters feel even more real yeah yeah i love the sister who's like <laughs> bit of a slacker and she um but always gives jaime a hard time because he's like the golden boy of the family i thought she was a great character yeah. um yeah it was great. I I really I really did have a fun time with Blue Beetle. Oh, I sorry. I'm gonna now that I'm you're reminding me of stuff. The one of the things I also really liked about it was that when um he finally comes face to face with the the alien voice in his brain, mm -hmm. um they didn't make her a busty woman in a bikini. She was she wasn't anything. She was just there was like a the Blue Beetle just kind of floating there, and they didn't make her into a human, which I really liked. Because, you know, comics, I was expecting yeah. buxom woman. Right. <laughs> as soon as I heard female voice, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> All right. And uh, let's go with Ryan before we go to me. What did you think, Ryan? Uh, I enjoyed this movie. I, I thought it was really well done. 
Uh, the character was like the the origin like was true enough to anything any other origin I've seen or read because you know he accidentally gets the scarab and it <laughs> chooses him and you know chaos ensues. Mm. I, I really liked that a big part of this movie, like you said before, was is uh, about the family, mm. the family connections, the family dealing with things together as a family. Uh, and then all those characters were, you know, they were, yes, they were background secondary characters, but they, they, they all got a little bit of fleshing out. Um, <laughs> I want to see the grandmother's backstory. I would yeah. love if that came, if that mm. showed up in like a max or, you know, uh, straight to streaming series or something like that, you know, she was hilarious, especially when she got a big Gatling gun in her hands. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. It was, it was the family that ends up saving him. Yeah. At the end of the mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> when she starts, when the grandmother starts saying, well, show me that entrance, show me this, oh, show me this map. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's where we're going to go in. And it's all this like, like, what? I had a life before you. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was so good. Yeah. He has his Uncle Ben moment in this movie, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, every good young superhero needs an Uncle Ben moment. So. Yep. And I also liked um, the bad guy. What was his name? Carapax? Yes. I mm. love that they fleshed him out and he wasn't just a mindless muscle. Yeah. Like he had depth that he had a story. He had a motivation. Um, and it was a really good one, too. So I, I really liked that they added that to the end of the movie as well. I wonder what his real name was. Like the, they, the, they said the it. the character. Cause I, yeah, because I, I just don't remember. Because I'm like, I remember them keep calling him Carapace. I was like, isn't that a little on the nose? I know. You know. No, they did say his character's real name, but I don't remember what it was. No. Uh, I going into this, I didn't know about the OMAC connections. No, I didn't either. No, I was like, compl- it's interesting how like that little tidbit was completely avoided in all like the yeah, press no stuff promotions and, all that. and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know what that was. Yeah, <laughs> but let's get uh, Brent's opinion. Then we'll we'll go dissect it a bit more. <laughs> what do you um, think? I I really liked it. It's it, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you would have probably noticed that. Like my quick review of, of this movie is is sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes yeah. you just have to make the wheel really good, and that's what this movie does. Is it's the story you can pretty much see a lot of the beats coming two miles away, but it's still very enjoyable, mm-hmm. and it's it's well put together. It's got the little twists here and there of it's a completely Latino cast, with the exception of Susan Sarandon, mm-hmm. and the like. What Kevin was saying, the much of the dialogue is in Spanish with the subtitles, which was nice. They come in and out. To be honest, I was a little surprised at how much I like George Lopez in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his yeah. ridiculous, like, would you call that a mullet? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think so, right? Like, it, it's just like this weird, like, choice he made that I'm sure is based on, like, an uncle he has or so, or somebody <laughs> has like there's no way that haircut came out of like nothing it's it's definitely something that came from like oh somebody saw this and this is what we're doing for the movie 
Um, I I really like Jaime as a, a character. I always have. I in and like in a weird way, this is this is the movie that can be very much DC's Spider Man in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it's that yeah. entry level for slightly younger people to to get in on the ground floor of of this universe that opens up to a much bigger one because like with all the other DC mentions in it this takes place in a DC universe <laughs> Batman is a fascist that's my favorite line in the movie Batman's a fascist yep so it's established Batman is a character who is known Superman is a character who is known. So, do they mention anybody else? I'm trying to think. I don't. I want to say no. I thought there was a mention of Central City. Yep, they did drop Central City. They didn't say the Flash. He was wearing a sweater that said Gotham Law. Yep, which I kind of (laughs) want. And uh, well, we know, and they say the Blue Beetle Ted Cord was a hero. Before mm. Jaime's time, so yes, yeah, which then is also established because we see all of his gadgets. So like, <laughs> see, and know. knowing absolutely nothing about the, the history of this character, I had no idea Ted Cord was who Ted Cord was. Mm. I just, you know, other than what they presented in the movie, which was he was the CEO of Cord Industries, and then he disappeared. I was like, oh, Susan Sarandon had him killed. That's got to be it. And then to find, like, that was a big reveal for me, knowing absolutely no history of it. I was like, oh, my God, there's a beetle layer. This is so cool. <laughs> oh, um, and, and uh, there was a LexCorp building. That's the other sort of yes, mention. Yes. Oh, I didn't that one. Yeah, and, down the street from Cord. Mm. Uh, there, uh, they ate at Big Belly Burgers, too. I mean, yeah. there's lots of yeah. little DC. DC That's dogs. a DC staple. Um, I want to talk a bit about Jenny um, as the... I guess female um, main character, I suppose. The romantic interest. Yeah. Yeah. You all know just my, a romantic interest. Yeah. This is. I was going to say you all know my beef with DC and and their representation of females and female characters in comics, and they've gotten better in the movies. I'm not going to go on that soapbox again, but I just wanted to say that I thought they did a good job with her. I mean, obviously Jaime had feelings for her as soon as he saw her, which, you know, fair enough. But I like that she wasn't the damsel in distress. She wasn't the one who was um, just there basically so that he had somebody to fight for. She was, she's the brains basically (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because poor Jaime has no idea what the hell's going on. And I like that it was, you know, it's her standing up to her family, to her aunt, uh, it's her, she had a lot of depth, she had a lot of, of personality, and she wasn't just basically arm candy. So I really liked that, uh, and I know I've mentioned in old other DC movies that that's not the case with a lot of the female characters, <clears throat> Black Adam, um, but I really like uh, that she actually got to be a character. It goes along with how they were making, his, they like really put emphasis on making his family characters, <laughs> like almost to the point of instead of focusing completely on Jaime as a character they showed who Jaime was through the other characters in the movie which I think gives depth to everybody so I really liked how they did that in the movie as well that was my rant <laughs> a good one this time yeah like, like you're right star. 
she's she's definitely not like she's a love interest but she's not the like you said the damsel in distress and in fact in a lot of ways Jaime ends up being in yeah. that role more than she it would be like the thing I really like about her character in this movie is that you could take out the love subplot completely and it would not change the movie uh, other than Jaime wouldn't be making goo goo eyes at her like you mm-hmm. could have the whole movie built on Jaime and Jenny being friends like and make it a platonic friendship and it wouldn't change the movie at all. Uh, It's nice that it ends up being romantic at the end. I really thought that was very sweet, but I like that it's almost like an afterthought to the plot of the movie. And it's not like Jenny's Mm. character hinges on the fact that she needs to be in love with Jaime in order to be part of this film. I liked that the family kept making fun of him and comparing it to the, um, I guess the Spanish television show or the Mexican television show that they all enjoyed, where it was the the, the rich guy who (laughs) brings the telenovela. Yeah, who brings the the young lady yeah. into his life and l- raises her up from the gutters and and then the kids they, 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 they kept, the oh you're the, you're the chief yeah you're the yeah you're the yeah you're the Maria this you're the Maria <laughs> the family was but, so good oh like, like they you had got every really aspect good chemistry with one another mm-hmm. yeah but you got every aspect of having that really solid family dynamic you got them teasing each other you got them fighting with each other you got them. You know, having each other's backs, you got the really soft, touching moments, um, like every aspect that made it a really strong family. And I, I loved that about this. Mm. And that's also why it made me cry. <laughs> Twice. Stupid Aww. movie made me cry. Oh, stupid movie giving you feels. I know. DC's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about punching and women in tight outfits. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I have so, questions. Okay. Okay. So in the beetle cave, we'll call it whatever, um, <laughs> we see three mannequins. We mm-hmm. see two costumes. Mm-hmm. We see a th- the third mannequin with no costume on. Mm. What costume is supposed to be there? That's a good question. I I assumed it, it was just costume. an updated version of the, the beetle costume that he's wearing. Was wearing when he disappeared. Probably that's probably what it's going to be. At the end, when we're when we see the in the cave and there, you see the reflection in it, I half expected the mannequin to come to life and be more like the comic book Omax from the like like Kevin mentioned earlier, the uh, Infinite Infinite Crisis story, mm-hmm. where they're a little more sleek. Are they androids? Uh, they're they're still robots, and they do the whole. Uh, infect people and take their bodies over and become like with like nanites and just take over and can like oh. make weapons out of their hands and do all that kind of stuff, but very like sleek looking, not big bulky like carapace. Mm. See, that but, was another thing I really liked about the design is that you knew when the scarab chose Jaime, like you said, he gets a sleek design. It's painful, but it's not like. I mean, I think the pain goes away after a while, I assume, because he was almost like he didn't even notice he had this thing in his spine until he put on a shirt. But when you see Carapace is going through it, it is very painful. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like it's painful for him the whole time. So it's really like the 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 difference between the how the host being chosen and being forced. Yeah. Which was really cool. Now, the the other thing that uh, I'll, I'll throw this one 
definitely at Kevin, mm-hmm. is did you ever in your wildest dreams think we would see <laughs> Olmac of some sort in a in on a movie? Uh, no, uh, but yes. I never expected to pay money to see a Blue Beetle movie either. Oh, so, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I really uh, enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I I love those kinds of DC throwbacks. I like um, I like it. So um, give me more. I hope I hope mm-hmm. the upcoming DC Universe stuff that James Gunn is more directly involved in is uh, is at least half as fun as Blue Beetle. Yes. Yes. Um, before I go into the box office stuff, I, I, I think it's safe to assume we all rather like this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, uh, yep. I kind of lean at, like, I, this is definitely up there in, like, uh, my favorite of out of the DC opening so far. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't, I'll have to think about it. I might like this more than Shazam. Yeah. It's, yeah. It does have that kind of Shazam feel to it, right? Young guy. Yeah, family. And, yep. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I was ranking it as probably my favorite, and I say live action DC movie because mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go to the movies will be very hard to beat in the animated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ryan was like, "Oh yeah, but you said that about Shazam, and you said that about Wonder Woman," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I think this one tops both of those." Mm. So um, to go back to last week's discussion we had on like box office in and like how studios should you know maybe think about like these mid tier movies that can just chug along and like maybe open at number one but just keep going and going and so Blue Beetle opened at number one this week finally dethroning dethroning Barbie mm-hmm. Barbie is uh, number two followed by Oppenheimer. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Strays, which is that uh, dog movie, the adult dog movie with Will Ferrell and uh, Jamie Foxx, opened at number five. Uh, Meg I like two. that you call the the adult dog movie. <laughs> well, it, it's definitely for adults, not for yeah, children. It's not really meant mm. for kids, that movie. No, I yeah. know. I just The phrasing made me chuckle. <laughs> uh, Meg to the Trench in at number six. Talk to me, which is th- that small uh, horror movie that actually sounds really cool, is in uh, number seven, and uh, and that's and Haunted Mansion number eight, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is at number nine, and Last Voyage of the Demeter is in at ten. Uh, the Blue Beetle, as we're recording this, is at twenty-five million. I'm not sure what the budget for this was. I'm going to say it's over that. Uh, I would think Wikipedia so. is saying at 104, and the, this is the domestic box office. It looks like worldwide we're at 43. Um, but you look at a couple of these things, and like just looking at the charts, too, is I think what people really have to get away from is the clickbait headline saying these movies have failed. Mm. Yeah. Like it, it, right now, if you do a scan of the internet, is the big thing that comes up is this is the softest opening that a DC movie has had. Which true, uh, budget like numbers wise, it probably is. But you look at the box office numbers in general for this summer. They're like, this is a pretty good opening in general for this mm. year. 
bald by the fact that like we're finally like the one thing that we've been saying all along is like some of these movies can chug along if you keep them in theaters well enough. I think Elemental, Elemental is a, yeah is now at that point where it's like it's really starting to be a profitable movie and it's down at the 14th spot according to Box Office Mojo for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But it's um, been out for like 72 weeks or something like that. Yeah, it's been out for a while. It just sort of just keeps on chugging, keeps on chugging. I still want to see that. Yeah. And like other things like interestingly enough, uh there is a re-release of Old Boy out that like the original Korean film, which is awesome. Everybody should go see it if you get the chance, especially for the hallway fight with the hammer. <laughs> um, but it like it just got a re-release this weekend. It it's doing actually quite well. It was the twelfth biggest movie at the box office this weekend. Well, yeah. So you know, let's come on, guys on the internet. Let's do better. Let's not say that a movie has failed. Just because it's not as good, like doing financially as well as movies did five years ago before a pandemic hit. Mm. And I also before think that... the studios did stupid things like re- shorten release windows. Yeah, I also think that the expectation that's being placed on a lot of these movies is too high. Um, like the expectation for every single movie to make back its entire budget plus within like two weeks when every single movie is costing over like a hundred million dollars to make it's just, it used to be that there was like one or two movies a year or a summer that would have that budget. And those would be the blockbusters, but now it's every single movie that's coming out. And it's like you said, it's, it's streaming services. It's the pandemic. It's the recession. It, there's so many different reasons why people are not going to the movies and why these movies are not going to be making as much money as the studios seem to expect them to. Mm -hmm. So I think there needs to be a real lowering of expectations on the studio's point of view. And if they're finding that the movies they're producing are not making enough profit, then I think maybe they need to reconsider their business model and how much money they're putting into Mm. these movies Mm. in order to make them what they consider to be profitable, or they need to redefine what profitable means to them. Cause it's Mm -hmm. just the world we're in right now is not what it was in the nineties or the two thousands when all of these movies made millions and millions and millions of dollars above what they cost to make them. And how many not realistic. How many big budget movies did Disney put out for free on Disney Plus during the pandemic, almost conditioning their fans to say, well, these things are going to show up on Disney Plus. I don't need to see it now. Exactly. Yeah. Very true. Well, so Max, uh, Warner Brothers, or whatever you want to call them now, did the same thing with Matt Mm -hmm. on uh, HBO Max, right? So they all did. Yeah. And now Um, they're mad that people are abandoning the streaming services to go back to the theaters yeah when it costs just two of us like a hundred bucks to go to a movie <laughs> not that so bad. the the last thing uh we'll discuss here in relation to blue beetle is um i i guess it'll probably come down to how much money this ends up making but where does this fit <laughs> Well, I when, did see a little headline, a little article with the, I guess, the director and stuff that he was very careful about the Easter eggs and the and the the call outs that they put in the movie that they were vague enough that it can 
be put into any part of the yep. DC universe. Mm-hmm. Which is very smart. smart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It's we don't actually see a Batman or a Superman or a like even a representation of them. Like there's no, no. logos or anything. The closest we really get to that is the logo for uh, LexCorp. But you can you can wash that away with like anything basically. You know, it's just it's an old logo that gets updated at some point, and like there's so many ways to do it. Uh, I really hope they bring him in. Like maybe maybe great. he doesn't get another solo movie, depending on how well this ends up doing. But I really really hope that Jaime gets another go somewhere in the line. I mean, they set it up really well for a sequel. Yeah. So no, I completely I mean, agree. We didn't talk really about the, hope. We Go didn't ahead. talk about the actor who plays Jaime. Uh do you are you know who Sholo Maradueña is? Have you seen him before? He's, no, he's Cobra adorable. Kai, right? Yes. He's Cobra so Kai cute. was his Cobra Kai was sort of his debut. So um and he's also on adorable. Parenthood on NBC. <laughs> Yeah, apparently he was the first and only choice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how do you yeah. how do you pronounce his name? I said Sholo. Oh, I, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, oh, and end, it looks like yeah, the, this is Sholo Meroenya. Mere, okay. Believe that simple. I, means I don't. Sh- yeah. I don't speak Spanish. I have, you know, we, our bilingual country is English and French, so I don't have a lot of experience with Spanish. So, I mean, it took me a long time to realize that Jaime is just the Spanish pronunciation. And when you write it out, it says Jamie. And I was like, Jamie. who's Jamie? Oh, yeah. my little white woman brain is like, oh. oh. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I just saw, I just Googled him and I was like, I, I wouldn't know how to pronounce his name. He's adorable, though. I love him. Mm. <laughs> He's 22. Oh, my God. Everybody is babies. Yeah, he was born in the 21st century. <gasps> oh. <laughs> We're so old. Yeah. Mm. Um, He's so cute. <laughs> uh, I, I also hope this, because we know Ted's out there. Uh, yeah. All of us just assume that means Booster's out there, too. I hope that's so. my I, hope. I don't but know how you assume that, but okay. <laughs> in in the comics, usually if Ted Cord is somewhere and you have that blue beetle, then Booster Gold is right there beside him. Oh, okay. They they are very much a a duo in most most of the time when you see them. Um, they are famous for the um, for the alliterative uh, um, caption box. That would just say "bwahahaha." That was their sort of catchphrase uh, in the "bwahaha" era of the Justice League. Yeah, the "bwahaha" era. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the Blue Beetle film, and in the category "future," it says in January 2023, James Gunn said the film was disconnected from the previous DCEU entries and could connect to the DCU. By April, the Blue Beetle character was reportedly part of Gunn and Saffron's plans for the DCU. In June, Gunn said Blue Beetle would be the first DCU character, while noting Superman Legacy is the first DCU film. 
Later that month, uh, Soto said that Blue Beetle was part of the DCU and future plans for the franchise, but was not connected to all prior DCEU films, explaining that the film lives in the world where superheroes exist, but that doesn't mean that a certain event or certain alliance or certain things from the past dictate where our film is going. He also expressed interest in the film being the first part of a trilogy. So I read that is cynical me is we'll see what the box office one Mm -hmm. is. And at the end of the day, then we'll decide whether this is part of our new thing or not. Or at the very least, if it doesn't do, we like it. You just never touch it again. We like it enough. Yeah. Yeah. DC DC Studios had James Gunn, along with the director of the film, Angel Manuel Soto, have indicated on multiple occasions that it will likely be retconned into being a part of the DC universe, although the first film of that franchise will be Superman Legacy. Hmm. So there That's you go. Okay, as long as it's still part of it. Yep. Hopefully it works out, because I'd love to see this character more. I really would. Agreed. And Uncle yeah. Rudy as his man in the chair. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Uncle Rudy is is quite the inventor, too. Like, mm-hmm. he he's like the tech behind the Blue Beetle, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I want to see the, uh, the inevitable Batman Uncle Rudy <laughs> <laughs> like meeting. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, big thumbs up for us. Uh, hopefully, if you're in the market for a superhero movie, you give this one a go because it, it is worth your viewing. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. It does. Which means uh, Patreon shoutouts and geek picks. Which should we do first? We've been all over the place of where the Patreon shoutouts go. Let's do those next. Alrighty. So, for those of you who would like to help us out uh, with a little bit of financial support, patreon.com slash true north nerds. That's all one word. Uh, we would uh, be very happy about it. But if you can't, we get that too. Like, you know, everything's expensive. So, um, if, if you can, awesome. If the money doesn't, like, trust us, we aren't getting rich off of this. This is just to help pay for stuff like uh, the, the hosting and paying for our theme song and all that sort of stuff. So, um, with that in mind, uh, thank you goes out to Drew, Karina, Rhino Vision, Alex James, who I will get to in a minute because his name is going to come up again. Uh, Team Woods, who has been very kind and put together uh, truenorthnerds.com for us. A nice little landing page to find us in all our various things. Mike Hammond uh, from Maple Printing, who uh, 3D prints many a cool thing. And finally, you heard his name mentioned earlier. Uh, Rex, a big thank you to him, and uh, hopefully the Rickroll was uh, worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of Patreon, we don't do a lot of exclusive stuff for Patreon, but there are a couple things, including the podcast that I have been doing with the aforementioned Alex uh, that is called Listen to This. It's a music-based podcast and doing uh, reviews and just an excuse for Alex and I to talk to each other about music. 
uh, we've gotten some uh, nice likes about it. So we're very happy about that. Uh, we do one episode a month on the Patreon exclusive. Uh, this month, uh, we uh, had to switch our topic. Originally, we were going to do compilation albums, which are, were our favorites and such like that. But unfortunately, the passing of Robbie Robertson has spurred Alex and I to take a look at uh, Robbie Robertson, who is a very important Canadian singer-songwriter, uh, who is uh, part of the band and had a solo career, also worked with Martin Scorsese like for decades on end. Uh, so Alex and I are going to take a look at his career and what we like and uh, really want to share with you guys. So we switch things up and we're going to do that. That should be out for uh, September, first week of September at some point. So with that in mind, Geek Fix, who wants to go first? Hmm. Well, I'll I guess go first. I can. Oh, go ahead, oh. Um, I just want to give another shout out to the uh, DC Universe um, mobile app. I paid for a year of uh, a year subscription to it, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, they are putting out newer comics as well as uh, filling in the back the, the history of the DC Universe too with the comics that they are putting out. I am currently flipping between three eras of comics reading. I'm reading Silver Age stuff. I want to get in on the ground floor of, of where the DC universe was built. Uh, I'm reading uh, 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 comics at the crisis era, starting with all the various appearances of the Monitor before, before the crisis actually started. And I'm reading uh, a lot of the new books that DC is putting out um, through their app, including, I just read Hawk Girl this week, um, I've, I've read the first issue of Night Terrors, which is sort of the event that's happening right now. Um, so yeah, there's lots of good stuff on there. It feels to me like there is a DC renaissance going on right now when it comes to comics, and I am enjoying it through uh, reading books on my iPad on the DC Universe app. So that's what I, I haven't opened the Marvel app nearly as often as I open the DC app. And the Marvel app is more expensive. <laughs> all right so uh, ryan yes uh so i bought some new collectible cards this week i came across a set of two of uh, a box it wasn't a set i don't have to collect the whole set maybe of 2023 tops star wars cards oh uh, they're pretty cool looking. They've got the, they've been doing the same thing as a lot of the cards lately, where they got like you get the shiny ones, like the different color, the like parallels. So they got the base set, and then you've got the the base set, those same cards in like different color, like shiny cards. And there's a bunch of cool subsets, and the base set cards are just like shots of characters, just they're just character cards. So like you know, you can get Ray, you can get Grogu, you can get BB-8, you can get Luke, you can get Leia, you can get Han. You can get everybody. You can get random Queen guys. Amidala? Yep, I've got a couple. I actually have a, like a gold shiny Queen Amidala. Woo. Uh, they've got some cool subsets where it's like uh, Jedi and Sith with their lightsabers in the top like left and bottom right-hand corner. Or sorry, the way around. Top right, bottom left-hand corners have been like cut off and look like they're melted by a lightsaber. And then there's some cards mm. with... Like, um, 
epic duels, and so it's got like uh, like Obi Wan versus Darth Maul and Mace Windu against Palpatine type of stuff on it, and then uh, locations. So you have like cards that are just like you know Nalhada and Yavin and Endor and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a pretty good set. I'm enjoying it. Uh, now you can find autographed cards, and I haven't found any autographed cards. Uh, oh, one of the one of the little subsets is comic book covers, and it's just cover art from the new Marvel comics. Oh, neat. and that was that was pretty cool too. So yeah, so tops twenty twenty three, Star Wars cards. That's my geek pick for this week. Cool. Did you open up that box that you bought yesterday of the uh, the older cards? No, I haven't opened that one up yet. Oh, okay. I was just wondering. No. All right, Jen. Um. Since we didn't really do a review of it, my geek pig is the Barbie movie. Um, go see it; it's amazing. Uh, if it's it's not what you think it's going to be, is the best non-spoiler review that I can give. Um, it's hard to describe. Anyway, go see it; it's amazing. Um, but I also wanted to uh, mention, since this is coming out, or before um this saturday august the 26th is the fiber spirit festival for anybody who loves yarn crochet knitting spinning whatever you like to do um it's in barry at the barry curling club from 10 a.m to 4 30 p.m um there's gonna be it's it's the biggest one in this area uh it's awesome there's gonna be 65 vendors and uh they also have classes too. So if you go to fiberspirit.ca, you can even sign up for a class. I think they take place on the Friday before. But yeah, that's coming up this Saturday uh, on the 26th. And I'm super excited to go. And if you go to that, I'll try not to. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll try not to spend all of our money, Brent. Ah. But I don't make any promises. <laughs> uh, and if you go to that, then you need to go down the street a little further and come say hi to Brent and I, because we'll both be working at Big B Comics on on Saturday. Yep. Because yep. I'm going to be spending Brent's paycheck on yarn. Woo! I'm kidding. Yay. <laughs> um, so I, and because I'm producing this episode, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but they're friends of ours. So uh, my first geek pick goes out to the the guys who have appeared on one of our episodes. Nature Trail to Hell has a new season out. In this time, they are tackling the Purge series of movies. And the first episode made me laugh out loud a number of times. Because they, they get into the weeds of what counts in legality <laughs> with the actual purge. And, and more more so, what counts after the purge is done for the day. So, um, they're friends of ours. They're very nice. And their show is very good. So, if you uh, even if you don't really have an interest in horror movies, I, I would definitely go over and check it out. Nature Trail to Hell. Uh, season three, I guess. And for my uh, final geek pick, this is this is partially because Jen convinced me I should go see it. Is mm -hmm. when we bought tickets for Blue Beetle on Friday. I'm scanning through the movies and I see at the South End Theater that Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee classic, is playing, but the next show is at ten. 
and that was a that was on Thursday night. So Jen couldn't go, and it was the only day it was playing, so we couldn't go see it afterwards. So Jen convinced me I should go see it by myself, which I'm I'm always hesitant to see movies by myself, and I don't know why because I always end up having a good time. Um, I was the only one in the theater for this. <laughs> I was literally the only person in the theater. In fact, when the guy came in, like the guy from the movie theater came in to look at the clipboard shortly after the movie started, he looked around to see if anybody was there and he just sees me. So I just start waving at him. (laughs) Hello, I'm in the movie. (laughs) So um, I've seen Enter the Dragon a million times. uh, And this was a great reminder of how good of a movie it was for what it is like it's a kung fu movie it's not shakespeare but it's really like sets the stage for everything that comes after it i don't know if it's the first like tournament movie where like there's an evil guy running a um, martial arts tournament that's also a cover for his other evil doings but it's definitely got to be up there in like one of the first the other thing is seeing like Bruce Lee come across that screen. You like, especially on the big screen, you just understand why he was just it. Like he doesn't say anything, and he's just oozing charisma out of his pores. And like it was just a great watch. Same with the Jim Kelly, who get who gets sort of short shifted on that movie. Um, he was a black martial artist that was in there as well. And every time that dude just pops on, on screen, he's also the guy who has the, the best one-liners in the movie. You, you just can't do anything but like like watch him. So um, if you have uh, any interest in kung fu and martial arts cinema, I highly suggest uh, taking a watch of Enter the Dragon. And if some by some chance you can watch it on the big screen, Go do it. It was fantastic. Yay. So that's it for this episode. Uh, where can everybody find you guys? We're, we're sort of in like discombobulated states. Well, let's start mm-hmm. with Ryan. What's your other your show going on right now? Oh, well, once a month you can hear myself and Ed Campbell, uh, Snow, also known as Snowhawk Cosplay, uh, talk toys. On Tales from the Collectiverse uh, on this channel. Uh, our next episode will be out before the end of the month. Uh, Ed's going to be busy at Fan Expo all weekend, so we'll see if we can uh, get an episode recorded early on in that uh, next week. And uh, yeah, get that out before the end of August. And then you can find us on, the, on our um, Instagram at Tales from Collectiverse, where we post pictures of the toys and collectibles that we buy. And I will be at Fan Expo on Friday um, buying stuff. So if you see me, say hi. (laughs) Kevin, where can people find you right now? Well, we're sort of in a holding pattern with um, Galaxy Class. Um, We haven't recorded an episode in a while. People's schedules just haven't lined up. So that's project sort of on hold. You can see me at Santa's Village if you come and bring your children. I may be there on a weekend. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just hanging out here and happy to be part of the True North Nerds. So, there we go. There we go. 
And Jen, uh, you want to list all your many Instagrams you've got going right now? Oh, geez. I have so many Instagrams. I have to stop. They're <laughs> addictive. Um, so you can find me at True North Nerds. Uh, and hopefully you can find these guys, too. We should post more there. Uh, so we have that Instagram. Uh, if you like, um, if you want to see the type of toys that I've been collecting, you can find me at Dolls and Ponies on Instagram. And I have also been dyeing my own yarn, which is so much fun. Um, it takes a long time to do, so I can only do it on weekends. And since I'm using two crock pots, I can only do it the most three skeins of yarn at a time, but that's pushing it. But if you want to see what uh, fun color work I've been up to, you can go to Mesembria underscore knits. That's M-E-S-E-M-B-R-I-A underscore knits. And in case you're curious, Mesembria is the Greek goddess of the afternoon. That's where I got the name from. Um, for me, you can find me here right now at uh, True North Nerds, as well as the uh, previously mentioned Listen to This, which is on our Patreon. Two weeks from now, we return with another episode. And, um, yeah. Anybody, It'll be anybody about know what something. we're doing in two weeks? It will be about something. Ab yeah, I'll talk about my one day at Fan Expo. Well, there will definitely be that. And um, other stuff. Oh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka comes Ahsoka. out this week. There Ahsoka. we go. There we go. All kinds of Star Wars talk. Star Wars. Yeah, we'll be three episodes in by the next episode of this. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yep. And oh. just so everybody knows... It is now officially going to be available Tuesday night on Disney+. Yes. Plus. I'm still going to wait till Wednesday, probably. Cause yeah, we're, we're going to have to watch it on Thursday. I will watch it when I can. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty, so, yep, next up is our review of Ahsoka. Will we like it? Yes. I really hope so, because <laughs> if not, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, and with that, uh, thank you all for listening and uh, tune in and, uh, in two weeks. But tune in. Just keep listening to the speed. There's always stuff popping up here and there. Yay, we do stuff. Yeah. So uh, thank <laughs> you for listening and Obamaste. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at truenorthnerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us.